Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to Two Black Guys with Good Credit, the show for the financially curious and the financially knowledgeable. Now, we often talk about what it takes to build a successful business, but today we've actually brought in a successful entrepreneur, Russell Bramwell, to discuss his business, Hope, Dreams, Dedication, Inspires Change, or HDDIC for short. Sean, t- tell us a little bit about Russell. How did, how did we get so lucky to have Russell join us today? Well, Russell is my grown-up friend. We just recently, we, we've, known each, we've known of each other for a long time, but we just really connected, and I mean, it's, it's a natural connected connection. Every time we speak, our stories are similar. And you know what I what I love about people in general, especially people of color, when they're doing businesses that is not the norm within our community. And I just really felt special and privileged to have him as a friend and to like gain knowledge from him. And his business model is so unique. And I just thought it's something that you know should inspire other people to do. Like, hey, we don't have to follow a certain path to create success. So I said, let's let him be our inaugural small business first guest. That's it. Okay, so Russell, before we get into your business, why don't you tell us a little bit about your life before, like, who are you, where you're from? Give us a little background on your on you. Okay. Um. Well, thank you for having me on your podcast. I greatly appreciate it. Um. Absolutely. Hey, Russell Bramwell. I've been in business. Um, for probably over 20 years now. Um, real estate is my background. <clears throat> I've been in sales for many years, uh, mortgages, buying, selling houses. And um, I've been pretty successful in the mortgage industry. So I've always had this idea of just wanting to help, right? Just, just this altruistic kind of feel where, you know, since I've had some kind of success that I can, I should give back. So, I mean, grew up in Hempstead, all my life, Long Island, Nassau County. Um, so did Hempstead. you know Chuck D? Isn't that where Chuck's from? Chuck is from Hempstead. <laughs> uh, public enemies from Hempstead, right? So yes, yes. I I don't know them, but when they were driving in '98, yeah, they were a big deal. <laughs> um, so yeah, grew up in Hempstead. I did like a short time in Hofstra University. Uh, wasn't able to graduate, but still able to kind of pull myself together, right? Um, that's pretty much my background. All right. Well, let's talk about the idea. You you talked about the altruistic kind of desires, but talk about what made you think about getting into, you know, a homeless shelter or giving back to the homeless or the business that you're into now. Tell us how that transitioned, the idea to conception. How did that happen? Well, honestly, I kind of fell into it, right? Because a friend of mine was renting a property to somebody who was who was in the shelter business, and they weren't paying their rent. Um, so their family member was going into uh, foreclosure. Um, since my real estate background, they called me to kind of assist to see how I can get them out of the situation. Um, so in speaking with everybody, hearing what they did, it just sounded, it seemed very interesting because it just kind of touched my heart. Like, oh, wow, you work for the homeless. How can I be a part of this? And I didn't know... I didn't know much about it. I just knew that's something that I was interested. Like I can, if I can help, why not, right? Um, so in that process, I just really started doing a lot of research, finding stuff out. And I mean, energy, I, be, I believe 
greatly in energy because I think that in my searches, I was able to meet somebody in, in the city. And his name was Joseph Wright at the time. He passed away. And I think I knocked on his door because he said he was a homeless shelter provider. And I didn't, you know, I still didn't know much about it. So I stopped a black man and he just kind of brought me in and told me a lot about the business. So he kind of showed me in terms of what the business is more about, um, the issues that they faced, right? And I was able to kind of speak into a lot of things that I think Nassau County was kind of missing. So um, just when they say, I think the stars were aligning for me, to be quite honest, where I just was able to meet the right people to figure out who was, who I can speak with, um, who I should send my emails, who I send my faxes to at the point in time, who should I, who are the individuals that kind of make the decisions. So um, I was able to just get in contact with the right people. Let me ask you something. Yeah. Let me ask you something, Russell, not, not to cut you off, but in a nutshell, in three or less sentences, like, what is the homeless shelter business? Like, what is it? Like, what's the model, business model behind it? Well, we provide housing for those who are without, right? So basically, we take them in for as long as, as, long as they need and try to get them back on their feet. So from um, first and foremost, our first priority is to find them someplace to live. But then after that, you know, we want to get them into some kind of financial literacy um, or just, just some kind of health programs where they can kind of deal with their drug issues, people come out of jail, stuff like that. So, I mean, it's, it's tough to, it's just, yeah, we provide housing for people who don't have housing. I think that's the simplest way to put it, but well, there's so much more to it. Well, actually, Dion, or our lady, but the facts, don't, don't you have some, uh, some interesting facts about uh, this, this industry? Well, yes. I mean, I'll say right now, um, just with everything that's going on in the world, the current government situation with, you know, very few jobs, it not being, you know, in terms of real estate not being that affordable. Um, there was actually a census report that said that uh, the majority of homeless shelters uh, are about the same in terms of the number as it was five years ago, although the number of poor people are increasing. Mm -hmm. So the homeless shelter is actually very hot right now. Yes, it is. It is. Because what happens is, are these are just New York statistics or it's nationwide? This is nationwide. Okay. Because New York is one place on it that's a little different than everywhere else because there's no cap on the funding for homelessness. Um, so usually what happens is that, let's say if you're in North Carolina, North Carolina have a budget and they will say that we have $15, 20000000 million a year to, to provide for homeless services. And once they hit that cap, there's no more homeless services. New York doesn't put a cap on that number. So there's always going to be an influx of individuals who's coming into the homeless population in New York. So it's then, state funding, like, not federal funding. This is state? Well, state. It's, it's, it's state and federal, right? But New York has a much bigger budget for homelessness than a lot of the other states. And then secondly, I believe from just speaking with people, and I can't... I, I, <laughs> What I'm what I'm hearing, um, and I can't I can't guarantee this, but what they're doing, especially in the city, they're giving like that one shot deal. I don't know if you guys I don't know if you guys are landlords where you're hearing about individuals who say we have they're going to pay the whole entire year up front, right? So they're pushing people out into into uh, apartments and paying for the year up front so they can get them out, but then another year usually they end up homeless. So I guess that I don't know how the numbers, if they are staying the same, but that might be something where, you know, they are able to move some people. But I know in Nassau County, they're not, it's tougher to move individuals in the city. And the city is building a lot more housing, public housing, has a lot more public housing and low income housing than Nassau County, because Nassau County is one of the richest, richest counties in New York, right? So, okay, so let me ask you a question, Russell. You know, yeah. what, we're two black guys with good credit. We're, this is a financial literacy show. And one of, a, lot of the family, a lot of the email we get from people, we inspire them to do different things and open their mind to other opportunities. So I'm listening to the show, and I'm, like, trying to understand, like, where the profit comes from this show, the revenue model behind this show. And then even, you know, how many shelters do you – it's two questions. One is, like, what's the revenue model behind this business, if I was looking to get into it? And, and how many shelters do you have, and how many does it need, do you think, to – kind of show a decent profit or have a decent living? I think that's three questions. Okay, well, twofold. <laughs> um, I'm not profit, so I'm not supposed to be profitable. But you so, give yourself a salary, correct? Yes, I give myself a salary. Um, 
but you can in Nassau County, and this is the only county you can do it. You can be for a for-profit shelter, so you can have you can be a profit organization in Nassau County. I think that's the only place that you can do it. Are there right? guidelines on how much you can pay yourself, or does it depend on how much revenue, how many how many occupancy uh, you have? Does the government oversee it? They're not overseeing it right now. There's no guidelines on that. There's no guidance in terms of how much you pay yourself, right? Because the OTDA um, is Office for Temporary Housing. Um, it's not really, they're not, they're not controlling Nassau County the way that they control the rest of the state. So in, in like in the city or other parts like in Suffolk County, then yes, there's guidelines in terms of how much you could pay yourself. But Nassau County is not there yet because we still have for-profit organizations who are shelter providers. So you can pay yourself pretty much what you like to pay yourself. How, um, how many how many HDDIC locations are there? We have five. We have five. Oh wow! How many people do you house? What's your, how many how many beds do you have? We have per location. It's average about twenty per house. So we have about a hundred clients per per house. And and in terms of the model for a homeless person, is this? like a temporary, like they can stay for X amount of weeks or months or like when do they, like how long can someone stay there? They can stay as long as they like. Um, basically that what happens is that um, they'll go to Department of Social Services. I think it's, it's called Homeless Services and they, and the uh, staff will consider and, and figure out if you're really eligible to be considered homeless. Sometimes you can be homeless. There's homeless people with jobs. They just have no place to live. So they have to pay part of their the uh, of what Nassau County is going to pay us to, to, to provide the services. And then you have individuals who have no income and they pay nothing. Right. So which client do you prefer? There's no preference because they don't they don't pay me. They pay Nassau County. So Nassau County pays me re regardless. And what about like what you provide for each person? You mentioned earlier, like drug treatment or job or financial literacy training. But what about like food, meals? Like what, what kind of like do you feed them as well? Or that that like how Absolutely. does how does that work? Absolutely. We feed them every single day. We provide them, I mean, with the basic needs, right? Because you don't want it to be a hotel where nobody wants to move forward. Um, so we provide them basic breakfast, dinner. Um, if they come back, they can come back for lunch because they have to leave between the hours of 10 and 3 o'clock. So they can make sure they're going to either appointments, looking for a job, looking for housing. They have to be on the road kind of figuring things out Monday through Friday, right? Um, it sounds like, obviously... The altruistic, all that, all that stuff is amazing, and I, I commend you. But what, what about the tough part of this, like dealing with people who might be having drug issues or you know, like psychological issues? How hard is this job? Um, for the staff, it, it's very challenging. It's challenging and rewarding at the same time because you'll find that, like when I interview, uh, my best employees are those who've kind of had some kind of experience within the system, right? So either they've been in the system and they want to do better in with for the for other individuals going through it or they've had like a family member who's kind of been in the situation as well right so it's it becomes more of an understanding of you know just what people go through right because you're gonna have you have the whole entire gamut of individuals coming through your door so you could have somebody who's just lost their job had an accident we've have i've had i've had guys who were attorneys sex successful attorneys who had a bad stroke of luck had an accident on a motorcycle and they became handicapped for maybe two, three years, lost all their money trying to pay their bills, and now they're homeless. They can't get back on their feet. You have wow. individuals who, you'll have individuals, like you have all kinds of people, like I've had individuals who've had successful businesses and their mother got cancer, right? And they spent all money that they had trying to get their mother to save their mother because a lot of small business owners don't have insurance. So they have cash and they have to figure out how to do it. And they bankrupt themselves trying to save their parents' lives. So you'll have individuals and the, or somebody who just ends up on drugs or somebody who's just, you have individuals who's systemically homeless from their family. Their mother was homeless and their father's homeless. And they've just, they don't have any other means of understanding of how to live, but besides just on with the government paying for them. But with the staff, like it's, it's very challenging, right? So we have to make sure that you know, you learn, like we had a situation yesterday where individuals in jail for 13 years and he came out, he's on drugs. He just came back, he disappeared from the house for two days, came back to the house and he attacked one of the workers, right? Just out the blue because of whatever trauma he's experienced, right? So um, it's it's a tough job. It's not, it's not you can you can find easier jobs. You could find things right. that you can the same money and not deal with the, um, the health hazards that you might have, especially like what we have in COVID, right? So, I mean, it's just usually the people who last are the people just have really a passion just to help. 
And some people are just really passionate. We're just trying to do better and just, and they feel good about their job and what they do. How difficult was it to get into this? Did you, to get approved to open up a shelter and to even like your, like what did they check on you? Or how did they vet you to, for you to be able to do this? Um, it's basically proposals. I think that in my research, I came from a completely different approach in terms of how I want to move forward, what I want to do with the shelters. Um, and I think they liked it, right? I, 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 um, I think I had a lot more humanity in my proposal when it came to in terms of just working with people, trying to help individuals, um, you know, to classes that I wanted to try to provide, stuff like that. And they and they liked it. And, I, and then also, um, I, was, I opened up during Sandy. Oh, wow. Hurricane yeah. Sandy. Wow. So, so that became a, a need because we were in negotiations. That, I mean, we would, everything was going well, but I think we fast-tracked it when Sandy hit because, you know, there was definitely a need for, for more housing. Um, and we, that's where we started with one shelter and then we kind of just grew from there. So Russell, I'm sure this on, a, I know it's on my mind and I'm sure a lot of our listeners are wondering, you know, how do you grow a not for profit? How do you go from one to two and then two to five? Um, well, I think that it's, it's a little different in Nassau County. Um, for not for profit, usually it's through grant writing, right? So you have to go with, let's say, for example, if you're in a city, you have to show that how you've performed, probably show your numbers of what you've done, um, and then ask them for additional funds to grow your business. Nassau County is not like that. It's it's actually more for profit, where we have to put out the money to do the next one, but you have to get the nod from the the higher ups to say, you know what, we appreciate that way you're doing business, and we want to entrust you with doing another location. Um, so for me, yes, in every shelter that I've done, it's never, they, they pay you after you provide, after you put the money out. So for example, the first shelter, when I got my contract, they say, okay, well, you have to find a location. Then with the location, you have to, you have to stock your location from your beds to your furniture, to your computers, to everything within the shelter. And, and is it true when you're finding a location, Russell, that they mostly, you, you're finding, trying to find abandoned buildings and renovate them? Is that the norm where people can donate the building or you are finding actual buildings that you can uh that were usable um my first building was abandoned building i had to renovate it um second one i was all rent it was rentals and start, until i started buying so may, and may i ask just to, just to give people a sense of what the layout is in terms of cost to, mm -hmm. to get one up and running yeah well in nassau county it's about fifty thousand sixty thousand dollars somewhere around there to kind of to kind of hold it together while you wait to get your first payment back from the government because you have to be able to hold and how long does it take the government uh about two and a half months oh, wow. so you're talking about your payroll you're talking about um your insurances which are pretty high you're talking about feeding people um for the two and a half months um your rents your security your security deposits um you know to, in terms of stock and building from your beds mattresses frames and Team. food, right? Food, absolutely, absolutely. So it's, it's roughly about, I would say, about fifty to sixty thousand, depending what it will cost you per location in Nassau County. That's in this is Nassau County numbers. Okay, thank well, you for that. Let me interrupt you real quick. We got to take a quick break uh, and pay some bills. So our listeners, I hope you're enjoying this show. We are having a small business spotlight with Russell Bramwell. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with more. Two black guys with good credit. Keep it locked. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Wow. Nice. Yeah. 
What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Welcome back to Two Black Guys with Good Credit, the show for the financially curious and the financially knowledgeable. Today, it's our small business spotlight on Russell Bramwell and HDDIC, which is Hope, Dreams, Dedication, Inspires, Change, a homeless shelter. He owns five of them in New York. That, that would be Long Island, correct, Russell? Yes, sir. Right, okay. well, well, tell us about the staffing and the, the size and the amount of people you're managing. Kind of give us a, a little bit more of an understanding of what you're dealing with. Okay. Uh, staff is about 32 people right now. Um, it started off with maybe, I think it was only three or four of us. Actually, it started off with only me and my nephew. And um, I was doing roughly 16, 20 hours a day because uh, I couldn't afford to pay anybody, right? So I would sleep on a couch. I've done every That's single That's a labor day. of love right there. Yes. <laughs> yes. Or a labor of just, yeah, you, you have to do what you have to do mm-hmm. to, in order to kind of make sure that you can succeed. But um, yeah, so I think that honestly, the gift in that for me was that I understood every position within the company because I've done every single position in the company. So um, it kind of helped me see, you know, what can be done, what couldn't be done. But then I know it can tell you, hey, because you can say, I've done your job. I yes, (laughs) yes. Anything you've done, I've done. I love when I can say that. But what? But what happens is that. I forget that the passion for everybody's not there like it is for me. Mm. So in terms of me managing, like, let's say if I'm in a person, like my first house is Hope House, right? And it's a women's shelter, about 26 women. And I would run that house by myself, right? Oh, me, the only one on shift. And just dealing with 26 different personalities, I did it, didn't think anything about it. But the passion, like I've, I've had a passion for what I'm doing. But for other people, after a while, it's just a job. They're not going to have that type of passion. So right. kind of, I had to kind of shift my expectations a little bit in terms of how much they can do, how much, you know, if they need more help, if, you know, because they're not like, this is, this is not their dream. This is for them. This is their job. It's just a job. I, I had to learn that valuable lesson myself, to be honest. I think yeah. most entrepreneurs, we, we learn that the hard way. You know, yeah. Arlington and I talk about it all the time. You know, we hire these people and we're so engulfed in our business and we're so passionate about our business. And we right. and it and it comes hard and it hits us in the face and realize they don't have the same passion. Yeah. You know, they don't have the same passion. Gotta they just want to get back. a paycheck going. Go. You gotta yeah. reel it back. And then I'm of the same philosophy of you. I was like at the end of the day, I don't I like when I can say confidently. I've done everything in this job, so you can't tell me what needs to be done or what doesn't need to be done or how long something takes to be done. Like a person was just questioning me today. He wants to open up a second store with me, a shipping business. My shipping, he wants, and he's keeps bugging me, pestering. And he's a new employee, been around two months. I said, until you know this business in and out, we're not going to have that conversation. Because if I sell it, tell you, oh, I'm going to charge you $100 to buy into this business, and then six months later you say, I can't believe Sean overcharged me. No, you have to know and understand this business and learn it, and then when you know this business, then we'll have a conversation about that. Because it's very important, I think, as an owner, to be confident in saying that I know this job, you know? And then in the nature of your business, um, I, I did read it. A lot, of, a lot of it is reliant on voluntary uh, help as well. Is that true for you, or? Um, I don't do a lot of volunteers, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I don't, I haven't, I haven't put that kind of, because then, Imagine, you know, for me, at least, I'm an, I, I've been an entrepreneur working as, as just self-employed, more self-employed for many years. So for the last eight years, it's a challenge to really grow into a manager, right? I mean, because one of the most difficult things for me in the business is managing personalities and making sure that people show up to work and managing and, and seeing exactly you know, how they can interact. Because a lot of times when you're interviewing and, and just interviewing in itself is its skill, right? It's a huge True. skill. Because if you're going to, like people are going to put on, I tell people, like when I when I hire individuals at times, like they put on their best 
They put on their best suit when they come in there and they're going to tell you everything under the sun to make sure they get the job. And then once they get those first few checks, then <laughs> you see the real person. <laughs> I just want to hear what, is, what, what are some of what's, your weed out tricks? Yeah. What's the best tip, you know, with all this interviewing going from one to 32, I think you said yes. over an eight year span. And I'm sure there's been some changeover throughout the years. Yes, what, what's yes. been your what are the best tips you can give for for? Yeah. Man, honestly, I'm, I'm still figuring it out. I'm going to be quite honest. I'm still figuring it out because it's it's a real it's a challenge because then it's I'm still figuring it out. Like I like it's literally I have to I used to try to get I've hired human resources people. And so they can kind of help manage the process and, and, and try to because for one, you have to make people feel like it's like almost like fishing, like like a big game fishing. So you can't let them, they, they can't get it too quickly because when you get it too quickly, you don't appreciate it. So mm -hmm. they have to go through the process of, of, of wanting and needing and, and the anticipation of if they're going to get it, right? So if they feel like it just comes like, okay, great. Because some people can rock at the first interview and they'll be great. And you know that you want them. But then if you give it too quickly, those individuals kind of wither away and they kind of feel like they, they really weren't working for too much. I've, I've noticed that. Um, so it's it's a challenge. It's just all you can do is just try to check the references and just go through the process. I remember. It's, it's I, honestly I, like, like a numbers game. I remember for my business, my shipping business, you know, I was reluctant, to, hesitant to hire somebody. Like, you know, I don't, I'm 90 percent of my shipping goes to the Caribbean and, you know, about maybe about 20 percent of ships to Barbados. My family being from Barbados, me having property in Barbados, going regular Barbados, I, I just felt like. I didn't want my business to be so close and tied to people tied to Barbados so much. So I was a little reluctant to hire people living in New York that are from Barbados, just because I, I didn't want to have that kind of connection where there where there's gonna be this favoritism or favorite having. But anyhow, I finally, after four years, one of my friends who I thought was one of my close friends kind of asked me to hire this lady, a mother of three kids, single mother. She needs a job. She just moved to New York. Can I give her a break? And I went against my theory. And this woman, in the year or so that she was there, I was noticing packages, more and more packages were coming to, quote unquote, her and her family. And, you know, me being a nice guy, I don't mind you shipping for your family and blah, 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 blah. But what happened was she had to rush to Barbados real quick one time. She wasn't able to kind of take care of her business. All of a sudden, my customers start calling and keep asking for her time and time again. And to make a long story short, she created her own business within my business using my resources. That's crazy, you know, and this is and this was, you know, lesson learned again, like and she passed interviews with flying colors. Her son's kids would come to my store in uniform and sit quietly and wait till she finishes her shift. Was All her business that. called? Was her business Knack Nick? Exactly. So I don't even exactly. No, that, I don't that's, even know. that's happened. That's happened to me as well. There was a gentleman that I met. And I'm gonna name, put, leave him nameless. Um, and I met him at an award ceremony, and he had, a, he was like the largest shelter provider in Suffolk County. And um, so he decided we're gonna keep in contact. And then he was a director, but he wasn't the owner. So, but the owner pretty much squandered all the money away. They had to close down, right? And he had, he has a doctor in front of his name. Very intelligent guy, right? So, you know, we have good conversations, and I had a decent director, and I, and I. And I, I'm really mad at myself for making this decision. And I had a decent director at the time, but I feel like this guy could help me grow the company exponentially, right? So I bring him in, I fire my director. Wow. Him, all right? And pretty much he stole all my information and, and opened his own. As opposed to even saying, uh, as opposed to even, it wasn't even a situation where it's like, you know what, this is what I want to do. So we can still help one another. Right. right. Because one thing I've learned is like you always should help because this this is not like this. There's not a competition in the homeless shelters. Right. If there's right. a need, there's a need. So so in terms of your knowledge, we can share my knowledge because obviously I was sharing my knowledge with him because those things don't matter to me. Right. But for him, he had an ulterior motive. And then it's just like he kind of talked bad about me. I introduced wow. some people. He was able to open up some of his own shelters, which I'm happy for him, but he could have did it better. So, yeah, people, that's what I'm saying. Like, you, you never know, you know, people will talk the best, right? But you don't know their heart, right? 
So that's been a that's been a challenge for me to be to be well, quite Russell, honest. So it's Russell, no different in your industry. That's that I think that's one of the, I guess the main points here too. It's like even yeah. in this industry, it's yeah. just as much cutthroat, just as much. Yeah, uh, yeah, big yeah. time. Big time. Mm-hmm. Russell, what what about during these these COVID times we're in? Like I, your your business is definitely essential, so you you don't stop whether no. there's a pandemic or not. No. And I, I, I've watched on the news where they talked about some of the elderly uh, homes and, and, and outbreaks. And like, so yeah. how difficult or stressful has it been to manage a, a pandemic with a business, an essential business where you're help, you know, helping people? But um, it was stressful at first, right? Because I mean, I have to say, honestly, my mama is, she's a praying woman. Okay. And she prays, she prays, she prays. I did not have one COVID case in any of my buildings. Yeah. Not, oh, man. not. Wow. Okay. Did she um, make, did she make trips to Brooklyn? Did she give me a prayer right yeah, there? Yeah, tell mom to <laughs> let's get a prayer. I was a prayer warrior, but um, I think what, well, one thing I did do when COVID hit um, I was like clearing shelves, like before, before everybody took it seriously, I was buying all the Lysol off the shelves, I was buying all of the hand sanitizer, you. spending thousands of, like people looking at me like I was crazy. They look at me like crazy, like the going to the supermarket, like I, every, he took everything, but no one really cared because no one was taking it seriously. So I, I was buying a lot of stuff to kind of, to kind of, cause the Lysol, it was like a, it's like a fake, it's almost like a like a Superman kind of outfit for people because they felt comfortable since they had Lysol, so people were willing to come to work. I didn't I didn't lose a lot of staff because they felt like they had what was necessary to come in, right? Um, the clients, I think we spoke with them. We had a few clients who just did not want to listen. They would go out, they would just stay out, they would go all over the place. Um, but for the most part, p- pretty much everybody stayed inside. They work together. Like everybody, everybody would clean the house. We we kind of put protocols in place where we had the house clean like every single hour. So from cleaning the bathrooms, cleaning like white panel surfaces, doorknobs, um, making sure because we can't keep everybody in, away from each other because it's it's close quarters. So there's nothing we could do about that. So we just have to work as a team, as did a family. You, did you apply for any of the SBA loans or any any of the uh, the, the PPP? Support? Yeah, the PPP. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely got a PPP loan. We did. We were fortunate enough to get a PPP loan. So it kind of it helped out because in Nassau County for a while, they just they, no one was working, so they weren't able to pay us. So we had to I had to make sure that, and that's the thing with being an entrepreneur, that the staff gets paid because you're, you're working against um, people going for unemployment and making more money on unemployment than I'm able to pay them. Right. right. So yeah, we went, Dion and I have went through a similar situation, like even like the whole government thing of like, like we were helping a, a certain company out, just helping them get up to speed and come up to, and, you know, helping them even with some recruitment in, initiatives as well. And you, I always say, you know, your business is only good as the people behind it, no matter how good your model is, no matter how much you can see revenue coming in, if you don't have the right people driving your business, that's a determining factor. And this certain individual, I'm sure Dion and I can agree great great idea great initiative but not the right people steering the wheel not the right people steering the wheel and that and that's the that's the most important thing and let me ask you a question russell um i know that the 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 government is not your like on paper direct partner but in a sense they are your partner and your 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 business is driven around the government and their initial whatever programs they have how is it working with the government and having as a partner i know there's always delayed in payment it could be an issue if you don't know how to manage and manage money correctly. But what other issues do you think arise if someone were interested in like getting a government contract or working closely with the government? Um, it's the paperwork. It's making sure that you're following all the guidelines, right? Because it becomes a lot more guidelines. So I think Nassau County for a long time was just kind of like they you they'll pay you, you do what you want. Like for when I started, like I had to come up with my own policy procedures in terms of how we run the company, um, how we deal with the clients the rules and regulations for the clients, but now they want to have it more formatted um, in terms of the condition and that we have, the way that we keep the shelters before is just, you know, they wouldn't bother us as much, but now there's, it has to be done in a particular way with accordance to the state. So, you know, the state, the state's a lot more involved. So it's just making sure that you have all your paper together from your budgets to, to um, your security plans for the shelters to, um, 
serious internal reports because when you have a situation before it's just like all right we're gonna have to kick you out but now we have serious internal reports where every shelter in in, in the city has where we have to report to the government anytime that the police is called, making sure that they're handled correctly, making sure that we're, we're, we're calling them, we're getting contact with them in time, um, the different systems that we have to use now. So, I mean, it's just a lot more information that is just required um, to do business with the government. So, Russell, um, out of curiosity, are you using certain apps or, or, or tools or platforms to manage your cash flows? I use QuickBooks. Mm-hmm. But I don't go on it. I think that honestly, I've learned to let the professionals do what they do. You have to have a good attorney, good accountant um, to kind of make sure that you're protected. Because then when you feel that you understand, you're going to you're not going to understand the loopholes of what you can do, what you can't do. And I mean, that's always been something of my thing. I'm I'm a lazy individual. I don't try to do everything. Um, and I don't try to learn everything. I just try to stick. That's not lazy. That's smart. The smart people know that the best way to succeed in life is surround yourself with people that is just as smart, that are smarter than you and let the professionals be the professionals. The dumb ones are the ones that think they can, the dumb ones are the ones that think they can do everything. They're the jack of all trades and master of none. So I wouldn't call you lazy. I would call you smart. And then also what happens is too, like a lot of entrepreneurs, as you're learning, um, you feel like you have to know everything. There's a pressure to know that you know everything. And then when we slip up and we don't get things right, we get we it's, we we take it hard on ourselves because we feel like, okay, I should have did my taxes on time. I should have did this. I was supposed to keep my books better. That but as Homer, I, that Homer Simpson sound effect, the dope. Yeah, you know, the, the, yeah, <laughs> it's exactly. true. And the way people come on the outside at you, like they know better. They they could have done it better. And it's true, right? Like you you have and you know I've even gotten in the power and saying I don't know. It's such a powerful thing to say. You yeah. know I don't know. Or yeah. talk to me like I'm a kindergarten. I'm in kindergarten too. Absolutely. I think that's that entrepreneurs, we have to kind of forgive ourselves more. And this is something I'm starting to learn just recently where it's just mm-hmm. like, I'm not good at this. And it's okay for me not to be good at this because this was never my skill. Like the you skill- see why he's my old friend, my new friend? You're in some competition, mm-hmm. Arlington. Like, this is why we ain't doing the late night calls anymore because <laughs> Russell, you see why this is my new friend here? Do you see the knowledge that he's dropping? Oh. Arlington, you're about to be replaced, bro. It's 40 years, I'm about to kick you to the curb for Russell. Wow, wow. <laughs> Sean, Russell. these are all things I've told you many times over the years. I'm thanking you, Russell, for taking him off my late night call <laughs> and enforcing the wisdom. Producer out. Appreciate it. Exactly. But Russell, would you say you at least keep an eye on your, on your numbers? Absolutely. I would I, hope so. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know, but I know what my numbers are because they're fixed costs. Like my numbers don't change because I, I understand like the way that we're paid, we're paid per bed. So I need to make sure that we're full. Our beds are full. Or if we're not full, I start making phone calls. So I know, I know like there's my staff will call me, Russell, we, we, we're, we're down three beds and DSS is not filling it. But we've been full for our shelters are usually honestly, they're, they're requested a lot of times. Is there a scaling payment too, where the longer they stay, I heard the rumor is the longer they stay, the less you guys get paid. Is that true? That is 100% true. Wow. And why is that? What's the philosophy behind that? Because, I mean, they want to make sure that that you're doing your job, that you're actually moving them out to, to to be on their own because the homeless shelters are expensive. They're expensive on the county. They're expensive on the state. They're expensive on, 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 on a federal level. They're expensive to run. So they don't want people to live there for two, three years, and you're just bringing in all this cash, and then you're not really, you're not utilizing the cash for what, or get, or helping the individuals. So yeah, the philosophy become, is to get them back on their feet so they can eventually as quickly as fly as on their own. And what's the sweet spot? What's the sweet spot? Can I ask? Like how how what's the tenure you like a tenant to stay for? Um. You want to try to get them out within 90 days, but it never happens within 90 days. It just wow. doesn't. Right. Because, they get comfortable at, at five-star homeless shelter, Russell. Yeah, they get comfortable, but then in Nassau County, nobody, I mean, it, look at the market. The market is great. So people are looking for more cash pay, payers for rent. So not, they don't want to deal with the hassles of, of uh, programs. So it's just much tougher to find it. And then they don't pay enough um they'll pay they pay more for the shelters but they don't pay enough for somebody to get like an apartment or a room for themselves so it's like how 22 how large are you trying to grow this business you went from one to five what do you have a a, um, ultimate goal you're oh you're done i'm done i'm done because um 
I don't feel like it's for me. It's not about how large because I want to. I honestly, I want to affect change, right? So if you have a thousand people, that doesn't mean you're gonna affect more change. You could have ten people and affect more change with ten people. So like I can make more money with other business that I have. Um, so I kind of want to focus in on really just providing more opportunities for for the uh, the guys and the ladies in the shelters. Like for example, you know, I mean, I want to have a program where I could teach them how to be entrepreneurs, right? Because you can you can be an entrepreneur with a record and really kind of just live a good life, yeah. right? They don't learn those kind of things. So it doesn't matter how many people, I can do that with 20 people and have a great success with that. And I think that really, honestly, from when I started, that's always been my gauge of success is how many people that I help. It's not how many people I have and how many people that I can really change their lives or help, not even, I don't want to say I can change their lives, but I can be part of the vehicle that changes their lives is a better way to put it. After doing this for so many years, did you have a, your own theory on solving, like if someone were to ask, what do you think are the key or is the key to solving this homelessness issue we have in the United States? Like, what do you think the issue is? There is there, is there like a, some, some things that you think would actually help solve this? Um, oh man, it's, it's tearing the system down. The system is just corrupt altogether. Um, I mean, from the way that we, it's just corrupt. It's not even just homelessness because, I mean, where you're talking about people, people are coming in there because they were in jail. So they went to jail because they sold crack. They went to jail because they're three-time offenders or, you know, they went to jail because they were, they were smoking crack. Or, you know, you have the mental health system where, you know, if you're smoking weed, they want to put you on more drugs because they think that you need a drug to kind of help you. So it's just like, it's just like, it's the system. They live on people's back it's just what it is so there's too much money within the system that it's not going to i don't really believe that it's going to be something that's really going to change like that so i'm jumping ahead a little for our listeners and for our team we're, we're talking about doing a show in the future about reparations like like do you think like basically it's access to capital people like you basically they're, they're stuck in this 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 cycle of poverty jail not no access to capital so that's pretty much the issue Right. It is an issue. It definitely is an issue. So, I mean, I don't think there's one answer in terms of how you would you would change it because you have. And then you remember, it's just it's it's a whole everybody who comes in there comes from a different path and different experience. You know, I mean, like usually like you're talking about the average individual in a homeless shelter is probably 35 because usually under 30, you're gonna go stay with a friend, you're gonna have your close friends, you're gonna kinda of sleep on the couches, you don't wanna be in a shelter, you don't wanna have that kind of structure. You don't want anybody telling you when you have to come in and when you have to leave. Um, so they've usually developed, 90% of them developed bad habits in some way, shape or form that kind of brought them to that space, right? So it's not something that's gonna be a very tough situation for us to kind of really change those habits unless, unless they're truly dedicated, right? And that's something where it, it's going to take a lot more money than they pay us to really do, you know, like that's like classes and really motivation and and knowing your self-worth and understanding the understanding the value of a dollar and and understanding just just knowledge is power. Right. Let, know, let me ask you a question, Russell. Yeah, thing I love about you is your calm demeanor and your way to take your time and explain things thoroughly. And I can see how these skills transition into, you know, homeless shelter and to deal with your clients and so forth. And, you know, people come to me all the time and they kind of, in not so many words, they say, you know, I want to do exactly what you're doing. But there's just a certain skill set that some people I think they don't possess. Now, what would you think is necessary? Like, no question, you have to have this type of skill set in order to be successful in this business. What are the skills needed? Um, I think that, I think patience for one, I think you have to have passions for, for people. Like you want to, you want to, you want to be able to help people. Right. And I think that it comes across, right. Cause I, I know that there's individuals who have a lot more education than me, who, who's actually went to school for what I do. Um, but I think for, for me, at least I can say that it's just really my passion. I think that passion is very important. I think that, um, you know, there's my, my willingness to just want to help and just understand and just really just help from a human po point of view, right? Seeing how we can kind of motivate individuals. And I think that's something that, I think that's just been a skill of mine of just really being able to, through I think my life experiences and seeing how, you know, kind of just turning that glass from half empty to more half full, right? So I think that's really been a really good 
indicate in terms of how I've been able to kind of grow. Well, well you're very uh, humble and self-aware, bro. That's what I love about you. A follow-up to that question, though, Russell, are there any universal business tips that you've learned from your eight-year journey building this business that our listeners, no matter what business they're in, like what, what, what's the, the biggest tip you could give to people starting their business? Never give up. Never, ever, ever give up. Um, stress, let that be your friend. <laughs> I love it. Right? Stress is never an enemy. I mean, it's Fuel, just, motivation. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just you have to learn how to live with that feeling of, of uncertainty. Right? Um, what else? I mean, passion is very important. Right? I think those three is, is, uh, is, is, uh, mon- are very important. Are very important. Look, one quick, quick story. What I think, one thing, you know, you have those moments that change your life. We always, every, I think, I don't know if anybody really knows them, if everybody knows their moments, but I have that moment. And when I was in the mortgage industry and I was just getting started in the mortgage industry, um, I could not close a deal. I could not, I was just newly married, bought a house, and every deal I got was dying. I would go home and I would cry because I'm thinking that I'm going to make some money. I think I'll be able to feed, take care of my family. And it was just not happening. And this gentleman, I'll never forget his name is Mike Faust. And I was trying to do a deal and I'm nervous. I'm talking fast and I'm talking, I'm talking. I don't know what to do. And he said, young blood, calm down, relax, and tell me what you need. And I spoke to him. I took a deep breath. I spoke to him and he worked out all my problems. I was able to close that deal. These people got their house and they're in there in Harlem. They bought a nice property in um, I don't know, that, that really nice area of Harlem. And from that, I learned it's patience. Never show people that you're over, that you're, that you're stressed. Never show people like even if your life is falling apart, you can't let people see that because that energy is going to be they're going to have to get that energy and then they're going to react to the energy that you're giving. Right. And I was able to see that from so from that point, I've always tried to dismantle that that feeling of whatever. But I would never give that to individuals. I always give that calm, cool, collected. No matter if somebody just shot me in the back and the sky is falling. <laughs> Poker <I'm> face. <laughs> right. Well, I, and, I always say at my store, like I tell my stuff all the time. Yeah, we may be if things may be chaotic in our store, out of control. But the perception is to the customer, the client, that we're in control. Yes. Nobody Never knows that things sweat. are going crazy behind us. But as yeah. long as the perception is that we have everything under control, that's all that matters. Yeah, and that and that changed my my success. It, it really, I mean, things skyrocketed. I went from the lowest loan officer to being the top loan officer in the company. I was doing, I mean, my numbers were ridiculous. Because I just always like I just and after that I just never showed it anymore. And I think that's honestly been like a big a factor in terms of any success that I've had. Just that calm, cool personality where it's just like it's you know we can all we can always figure it out. It's never that big of a problem. Well, our see that calm- Matt in Arlington, you guys just be calm and cool around me. Don't be nervous. Don't be scared. <laughs> <laughs> just be all calm right. and cool, bro. Well, well <laughs> on that on that note, let's thank our calm and cool guests, Russell. We appreciate you coming and sharing yes, your wisdom. Thank you, sharing you, my your brother. Experience. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Let's do a real estate one next time. That's my thing. All right, definitely. We'll, we'll bring you back and discuss real estate. We'll do that. All right, well, that, this brings our first small business spotlight to a close. We want to thank our guest, Russell Bramwell. We appreciate you coming and sharing your wisdom with us, sir. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And uh, Russell, before you go, where where can people find you? Um, I think my Instagram is like russb336 and my name, Russell Bramwell, I think is on, on Facebook. So, I mean, you know, I'm there if anybody wants to reach out, has any questions. Listen, I'm always, if however I can help, I, I love to help. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And we love to hear from you, everybody. So thank you, Russell, for spending your time with us. Thank you. Just glean from you on an industry that I know none of us, you know, had been introduced to before. So thank you. Um, For anyone who has more questions, you know, you can also uh, reach out to us at tbgwgc at gmail.com. That's two black guys with good credit at gmail.com. Make sure you follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Two Black Guys Good Credit. And remember, energy begets energy. 
And my name is Dion Nichols, the lady with the history, the stats, and the cold hard facts. And I'm out. Okay, D. I like that. I'm gonna have to write that one down. Uh, again, I want to thank everyone for listening. This was our inaugural Small Business Spotlight, and we will be doing this periodically, so stay tuned for more. And as I always say, nothing changes if nothing changes. I'm Matt Smith, one half of Two Black Guys with Good Credit, and I'm out. I'm Sean, the better half of Two Black Guys with Good Credit, and I hope you learn from this show, young people and old people and all people of like, expand your mind. There's a, the opportunities out there are endless. And there's many ways in which you can do good and be profitable. And thanks to my, my big brother, Russell, for coming on the show. And like I said before, Arlington, you're fired. And I'm out. <laughs> Keep your money where it belongs to your damn pocket, people. The Two Black Guys with Good Credit podcast is produced by Matt Smith and Arlington Forbes. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.